Hello, before the podcast gets going, you should know there's a little bit of static on Dennis's line for about the first 15 minutes. But hey, make like you're listening to a 78. It's all jazz. and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Dennis Baptiste. So it's sax to the max time. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode two of series four of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. Welcome to you wherever you are in the world. And if you're a first time listener, you're of course most welcome. And if you are a first-time listener, why not join in all the many, many millions making a donation to our worthy COVID-busting live music-making fundraiser as we look to make recordings and put on shows despite all the COVID limitations uh, with Emma Smith Quartet, the Chris Ingham Quartet and the Tony Kofi Quintet. Uh, We raised a stonking £1,000 in March and that's helped us to film and record Emma Smith's band last weekend. And to say it exceeded expectations is somewhat of an understatement as you'll see when it goes live in May. So, if you want to become a Jazz God benefactor, or just be an all-round good egg, just click on our website or our Twitter to find our GoFundMe page. Every fiver really helps. Now, enough of that. My special guest today is, I think, a legend. Multi-album making, MOBO winning, BBC and Parliamentary Jazz Award winning, energy pulsing, a composer, an arranger, and a tenor sax player, Colossus. It can only be the great Dennis Baptiste. Dennis, hello. Welcome to our Jazz Junction. How are you? I, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, raring to go. Get, get on with. Uh, I just want to play, right? That's what I want to do. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that in the world. So, uh, talking about the world, where are you? Where are you based? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on the the border of uh, Enfield and Hertfordshire. So uh, I'm, I'm sort of way up north, as they say in London. Ah, oh, but but a spitting distance from Watford. So, but you've uh, you've sort of been a London guy most of your life, is that right? All, all my life, I've, I've, I'm, I'm a London boy, born and bred. I started off in West London, and then um, later on, I, I moved to South London when I was in my college years and stuff, and and then uh, and now I'm up here north, and I seem to be moving further and further north now. So it's uh... <laughs> we'll get you to Watford yet. This is the grand plan. Um, <laughs> So you're um, you were born uh, to St Lucian parents, right? Um, yeah. Uh, the Caribbean uh, island. Um, did that have much of a sort of influence on you as you were growing up as a little boy and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, I think I think certainly, um, you know, from the perspective of music, um, you know, I, I I really, you know, the the family gatherings and and. Uh, just generally people listening to stuff on the radio and the records that were on, you know, it was, you know, soca music and, you know, Calypso and reggae. And so it was, you know, that, that I think um, it kind of, it, it sort of gives you a kind of a grounding and the sort of the rhythmic um, aspects of playing music, which has come in quite useful over the years, you know, so, uh, yeah. So you, you sort of mentioned different styles there, especially Caribbean-influenced music, obviously, uh, um, with, with Calypso and reggae, and you can hear some of that through your tracks. But at what sort of point, is, as you were sort of finding your, your feet, I guess, musically, did you go, you know, my, my art form is jazz, this is where I'm going. Was there a sort of light bulb moment, or did it just sort of creep in? 
let me think. I, you know what? I tell you what. The, the one of the first experiences that I had with jazz, and I didn't even know in a way that it was, was I used to listen to. Oh well, my mum and my my uh, my siblings used to listen to. Uh, uh, BBC uh, Radio London, uh, which it was right. called in, which is now called BBC London now, um, and uh, there was a program, Alex Pasco, uh, and it was a program that was pretty much dedicated to Caribbean music, and the theme tune for that 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 show was Sonny Rollins's "Don't Stop the Carnival," mm-hmm. and I remember listening to that. I mean, you, I'd listen, you know, you, you hear it at the top and the tail of the show every single week, and then all the other music, you know, came on, and it was great. But I remember being fascinated by this guy just playing this, you know, this incredibly melodic uh, and powerful music at the beginning. And, it was, and I, w- I was always sort of really disappointed that it was so short because it was just the, you know, the, the, the theme of, of the of the program. And uh, I think that sort of spurred me on to kind of be thinking about, um, I mean, first of all, I started getting this idea about playing the saxophone. I didn't know stylistically what I wanted to do. But then in the 1980s, you know, there was still quite a lot of music. Um, you know, there was things like Weather Report that was around um, people like, you know, Sade. There was a lot of, there was a lot of saxophone in, in the kind of charts, you know. Um, and I just remember being fascinated by these these people that are playing this stuff and this beautiful sound of the, of the tenor saxophone. And then I went looking for records in the library uh, my local library and it, it was kind of an unfolding journey really of, of okay saxophone right who plays the saxophone and slowly but surely i started realizing that i had a, a certain affinity um i was just drawn to to, to to jazz and just the freedom that it seemed to um you know um it, it just seemed to it, it, the, the idea of an artist just going up on the stage and just making stuff up and i just wanted to know more about it and that's where my journey really began that's fantastic. Well, a lovely sort of narration, I guess, of a journey of, of true discovery. At what point did you discover that Sonny Rollins was the uh, the, the sort of childhood influence on the uh, on the young ears? Uh, let me see. What was I, I'm trying to think? What the what the first album? It wasn't "Don't Stop the Carnival." I think I think one of the first albums I got of his was uh, "Way Out West." Um, and I mean, I, I had it on cassette, you know, and I literally wore it out, you know, it it would, the the tape would break and then I'd, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite, I I like to fix things and I'd, I'd sort of, you know, get some tape and stick it back together and then be listening. Um, and again, you know, that, that album, uh, it just blew me away. Uh, just the, 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 the invention and the, the, the sound and the, 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 uh, the interplay amongst the musicians. I just couldn't, I, I just wanted, I just wanted to do that, you know? Um, and he's, and from then on, really, he's been one of my major, um, kind of influences in my playing. I think, you know, as, as much as. There are others now as well, but he, he he will always be sort of have a special place in my uh, musical heart. Really, yeah, special guy. Have you seen him play much? Yeah, I mean, I, much much later on, um, probably uh, in the sort of mid two thousands, I saw I saw him twice actually, um, and I'd have to say that you know I mean, I've seen a lot of people play uh, over the years, and, and even though he's kind of getting on a bit, and he's not you know he wasn't where he was in the 50s and the 60s but it was still one of my top three gigs I've ever seen I just remember watching him playing um, uh, uh, 
a particular tune, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but he just played this solo for about 10 minutes, you know, at the beginning of the second set, and I, my mouth was literally on the floor. Um, the, the way that he's able to sort of manipulate melody and turn things around and just use really simple um, information and, and, and just be able to manipulate. I just, I found it absolutely gobsmackingly amazing, you know, so, um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to see him twice, um, and um, it's really so sad that he's he's no longer playing playing anymore. You know. Yeah, but you know, if anyone's deserved a retirement and uh, a sort of space to breathe without that horn around his neck, yeah, it's it's, it's got to be Sonny. Um, you're making me all emotional watching you talk about that because you know he's he's right up there with me as well, and it just brings all the emotions to the front. Who? Right. Well, I like to sort of go backwards and forwards in, in my jazz talk. So right up to current day. What, what are you working on now, Dennis? What, 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 what's uh, keeping you busy? Um, well, you know, I mean, given, given the, the current situation uh, that we're in, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of had a long term, a long, a long term project really since last year. Um, as Ooh, go on. When it was looking like things were kind of going to sort of close down, I, I I I decided that I wanted to learn how to play bass clarinet. So I went in search of a bass clarinet on eBay, and um, with with the help of Mr. Courtney Pine, he said, "Yeah, you should get that one." Yeah. And um, I've been pretty much trying to learn to play bass clarinet. And um, weirdly, I, yesterday was the first time that I actually played it live you know in front of an audience you know so um it, it it sort of felt like it's one of these things that over this time that we've all been locked away i wanted to do something which um that there's 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 some growth in what i'm doing um you know i'm not the i you look know, i'm far from being the best bass clarinet player you know in the world but you know it's it's a new voice for me and that's the kind of um, project that I really wanted to do something rather than sort of refining what I have I wanted to just do something new and I've been thinking about bass clarinet for a long time um, seeing people yeah, yeah. like Courtney playing and David Murray and um, Eric Dolphy playing and, and it's 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 all I've always loved the sound but never really kind of got around to to, to trying to explore it and find a way to, to actually play it so I thought hey I'm, this is where we're gonna go this is where we're gonna be I'm gonna sit in my room and I'm gonna try and learn bass clarinet and uh, I got it it was a complete wreck uh, I renovated it I took it apart complete because I I did that because it's good stuff to know on the road anyway if, you, if, you, if your horn goes wrong I pretty much stripped it down nursed it back to health and um, yeah and I've, I've just been learning it and it's been amazing it's just been a, such a lovely contrast to practicing tenor saxophone and then going to bass clarinet and it's just such a different thing and it really gets my brain working and, and you know compositionally improvisationally it's just the whole other ball game which has been fun yeah because that's what i wanted to ask you because the embouchure right between clarinet and saxophone is, is entirely different right and you know one you sort of well let's not get into technical stuff because i'm sure our listeners have got better things to do than listen to me talk about that but they're not the same thing and there's a sort of similarity between the bass clarinet with its little horn at the bottom and and the, and the saxophone and sort of how it looks but beyond that you know you are learning a different thing but i was really interested to what you just said there about the improvisation and the melodic work that you then do on it you find that's different as well from the tenor yeah, I mean, I really like the bottom end of the bass clarinet, and um, you know, I mean, fingering-wise, it's it's very different in, in in a lot of ways to, to the saxophone. So it kind of 
leads you in a certain way. And so I'm 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 always driven by the sound, you know, and um, yeah. and just you know certain areas of the instrument, and certain movements that you. Uh, combinations of, of notes that you put together in a way there are certain things that are more intuitive on the saxophone than they are on the bass clarinet and so it's just pushed me in a different direction in thinking a bit more um, about using the actual tone as a, a tool more than you know flying around at high speed it's just made me much more sort of considerate about my melodic um, uh, lines and stuff so I mean you know as I say for me it's still early years I'm not I'm not going to pretend that I'm the greatest bass clarinet player in the world but I've, I've found it really enriching and, and, and really fun to kind of try and integrate something else into into my my work oh well I mean I for one cannot wait to hear I mean that sounds fantastic and it's just so good to have a, a fresh venture to do so I'm going to take you back many many years now to life when you were on the road do you remember those days you used to play sort of gigs and that type of stuff I don't know. <laughs> Where's this sort? <laughs> Sounds about right. So hopefully, as the world starts to to get back to normal again, um, there'll be more live music. But you know, what excites you most about playing uh, in the UK and 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 the, and the jazz scene here in Britain? Is it is it the venues? Is it the other musicians? What well, I'm just interested in, you know, because you're a busy man. I mean, I just I just enjoy all of it. I mean, I, th- I suppose the biggest thing I love I love playing I love playing to people. I love you know because I feel that um, you know the, the the role of the musician is 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 it's 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 about communicating something you know and it, it's a, it's an emotion um, you know or, or an idea you know and whether whether it be that you're you know prescriptive about that you know in terms of you know a title or or a, or a project like you know Let Freedom Ring which was about civil rights and, and uh, freedom, justice, equality and all that, or you're just, you know, sort of trying to pour sort of raw emotion into what you're doing. I, I love the feeling of when you, you know, play a, a piece and people react. And not, not just about, the, 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 you know, the clapping. I'm not saying that I kind of need that to sort of validate me in any kind of way, but I, I really, I always I always come come out of, um, I don't, I'm, I'm not a musician that sort of disappears to my dressing room after a gig, you know, I'll, I'll go and go and talk to people and, and, and I'm really interested in, you know, what their experience was, you know, I'm not saying, what did you like it, you know, but, but people <laughs> will often come up to me and, 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 you know, say stuff about how they felt and it's, it's always very, very personal to each person. I mean, um, I remember in the years when I was doing touring um, Let Freedom Ring, um, uh, I'd always sort of go out and go and sign CDs and go and sit into the audience, and you'd get such a, a range of emotions that people would have, you know, that that, that, that they uh, would would tell me. I mean, I've had people that were angry, you know, <laughs> which is which is wow, you know, um, and then I've had people that are, you know, just you, you know, it's it, it's opened up a, a, a sort of a. Um, you know, an area of emotion for them that they that they hadn't thought of. Can be people who are happy, people that are. It's just really interesting, and I feel that as a musician, that you know, our our role is to is to communicate, and whatever language, whether it's bebop or free jazz or hard bop or, or, or whatever it happens to be, you know, that that's that's the role that we have. And so, to be playing to an audience and getting that communication happening with with them and feeling like you're giving something to them and you're getting something back is I think the thing that is I think we all love doing otherwise we'd just be sitting in our bedrooms just practicing and not bothering to share what we do you know right now Dennis it is time for my new feature I am calling it 
the Dennis Baptiste St. Lucia Cultural Popori three-shot quiz mega challenge. And I've got three immensely taxing questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, question one. How many Nobel Prize winners has the island produced as of 2021? Um, I, I've, I have a funny feeling it's, it's one, actually. and I. Oh, you're so close. Won. It's two. I which really makes St. Lucia have the highest number of Nobel laureates per capita in the world. So go. first off, in the 1970s, which is probably the chat you remember, there was um, an economist. Um, That's the one I know about. Yeah, Arthur Lewis. But you yes. also had Derek Wolcott, the great poet, in 1992, uh, which, makes, okay. which makes you come from deeply esteemed cultural heritage. Okay. <laughs> so, no, question two. The island hosts an annual jazz festival, um, which has included Herbie Hancock, Ladysmith Blackman Barzo, Bradford Marsalis, and even Rihanna. They've all played there. Question is, have you? I have played there twice. What's it like? Uh, it's 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 great. I mean, it, it's it's funny because um, uh, the first time I played was two thousand, and it was with a local band. There's a there's a guitarist there called Boo Hinkson, right? And he's one of the he's he's a big star over there in in Saint Lucia. And we we did the main stage there, and it's amazing because you're at a place called Pigeon Point, and the stage is. If it's got the camera, well, you've got the, the audience behind, um, in front of you, but then behind you, you've just got the sea. It's just amazing. It's 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 the most beautiful stage I think I've ever been in. But it was funny. We did the we did the, the gig, and then it suddenly there was a torrential rainstorm oh, blowing no. in from the sea. So the drummer, um, he just got the full force of this rain <laughs> on him while he's trying to play. It didn't reach the front of the stage, but we were all sort of edging away as the water was coming towards the electrical uh, <laughs> things. It, luckily, it stopped. But um, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was quite an interesting experience. And then the second time, I think was not last year, year before last, um, I yeah. did with my current late train band, and uh, that was at Sandals. Not as nice because it's inside, but it was just lovely to be there and, um, uh, yeah, just be part of the whole thing. And, you know, we just got to hang out for a bit and I got to go and see my, my, my family and stuff for a little while and dragging my band along and stuff like that. It was great. Really, really lovely. What a nightmare for you. What an awful location <laughs> to have ended up at. Okay, and question three. St Lucia's national dish is green figs and salt fish, which sounds yum, I think. Have you tried it, and is it good? Uh, yeah, and funnily enough, we we were talking. Me, me, and the band were talking. We were reminiscing about our trip to uh, Saint Lucia, and um, uh, Larry was saying, and I think Nikki was saying as well, that that yeah. was the best breakfast that they've <laughs> had in the Caribbean ever, which was green figs uh, and saltfish. And it was like literally every. We were there for um, well, we stayed a bit longer, but. We were there for three or four days, and that's all they wanted to do was to eat <laughs> every day. Yeah, what should we have for breakfast? There's a whole selection. Yeah, let's just have that because it's really nice. So, yeah, it's very nice, very nice, lovely. You heard it here. We recommend green figs and salt fish. Well, I think you did pretty well on your St. Lucian quiz uh, and much more information shared than, than I think we could have hoped. That's fantastic. <laughs> So, I also want to ask you about your working methods, as I know you're a little bit of a late-night jazz owl. So, my dad worked until, I God knows, four, four or five most nights, and he always reminded me a bit of that episode of Desmond's when Pork Pie or one of them used to get his saxophone out, but only after mm. midnight. Mm. Presumably, there's not too much interference going on. 
Um, but what's the attractiveness of, of burning the midnight oil? Uh, I just, I think I just feel um, just more alert at that time. Of, and it's just, you know, during the day, there's always other pressures, you know, the phone's ringing or you just got stuff to do at night. I just, I can, everybody's gone to bed. I can just sort of be, you know, and um, I, you know, and it's, it's, I just have my own sort of creative time then. So I've just, I just use it as much as I can, whether that be practicing writing or listening to um, music, which is one of the things that I do every night as is to listen to an album that I've never heard before. I go searching around and I'll, whether it be on YouTube or on iTunes or whatever, and just go, okay, well, okay, this person, right. Okay. So find somebody in the band that maybe I'm not that familiar with, find an album, listen to that. Okay. And I found some, you know, some, some nice, new albums by artists that I know um, and and then also a few artists that I wasn't as familiar with that I should have been really so it's been interesting yeah fantastic we love discovery uh, mm. of, of all things it seems like a really strongly infused dimension in your in your life um, so I've been listening to your albums ahead of this interview and genuinely listeners it's a proper set of work and it's worth listening listening to all of them um, in whatever sort of sequence and start off where you will but I started off with Be Where You Are um, and it sounded like and this is uh, your first sort of solo album I think that your mm. sound was just fully established um, and there's also since I'm thinking about that album there's a track on there called Have a, Have a Talk With God it's brilliant <laughs> Uh, and there's lots of other tracks and there's lots of other albums, but I'm also going to pull out Identity by Subtraction, um, not least because we were talking about it at the beginning, but there's a Calypso on there, uh, mm. the dance of the, I think it's the Makaratari, is that right? Mm. Mm -hmm. um, which, for those that don't know, which may well include me, I think is a Caribbean dialect that comes from sort of South America. Is that right? Who are the Makaratari? The, the Makaritari are a, um, a, a tribe of Indians from ah. South America. My, my, uh, I mean, this is, you know, talking to my mum a few years ago, and uh, she told me that my, my grandmother, um, no, my great-grandmother uh, and her, her and her dad were basically uh, they were Makarutari in Indian. So, and and it's it's funny because she'd um, it's because she found a picture of her that she she'd been looking through all all of her stuff. She hadn't seen it for years, and she said, "This is a picture of your great grandmother," you know. And then she just started talking about this thing. I mean, I think, and I sort of at the time I was quite fascinated by the idea that. Um, you know that my heritage went a bit further than you know. It's, it's for, for Caribbean people. It's 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 always um, it's more challenging to be able to find out where your lineage goes, how far it goes back, and where it goes back to. You know, I mean, there's you know mm. things like like slavery and stuff like that. So actually, the 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 actual origins um, from Africa that that people come from, it's a lot more challenging because the records don't go back that far. But there was a thread there that I thought was really interesting that I could look at, and so I looked at where the Makarutari from. This from somewhere around sort of north end of Venezuela, and um, what's the top up, the top bit of 
South America, I can't remember. Um, Guianas and things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guiana, so somewhere around there. And I guess they moved over to St. Lucia at some point. Um, And so, yeah, just at at that time, I was really interested in that idea. So I I thought, well, let me just do something which puts that name and that... that, um, uh, culture, um, as little as I know, knew about it, um, uh, uh, it out there, you know, because uh, I thought, well, that's really interesting. So I just wanted to do this, this this tune. I couldn't find very much musically about them, but I just kind of had this image in my head that there would be sort of similar cultural, um, you know, things, you know, music and dance, and but and then the idea of imagining what that music would be like, mm. you know, uh, in comparison to what they have in St. Lucia and what, you know, so yeah, so it's just a really interesting project for me to just sort of think about how I could represent them in a way of this, these mysterious people that I didn't know anything about, really. Amazing. Well, you certainly do them justice in terms of the lineage that, that, that flows through you, certainly a few generations back, because it's a fabulous track. So all of that listening um, to your music has sort of got me thinking uh, about what my set question was going to be for you for the day. And it is thus, Mm. does creativity help you understand your identity or does creativity end up defining your identity? Discuss. (laughs) Uh, I think think it's a two-way street. I mean, I I think that... um... I mean, you know, the the, the whole title of Identity by Subtraction... um that it's about peeling away the layers of the things that you've kind of accumulated over the years to find out who you are underneath all of that. That's the, I suppose, suppose you've taken away all of the, the you know, you're like a, you, you know, um, um, you know, um, like one of those sticky pads and you roll it on the floor and it picks up fluff, it gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Or a magnet, you know, or something like that. Uh, you peel it all away and then you sort of discover what 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 and who you are at the center of all of that um i mean i think you know i mean you know there's it's, i suppose it's that nature nurture thing isn't it really i guess that's the that's the um uh, the center of it all and uh i think as a personality uh, you know me well e- everybody's got their own personality whether we've got our own voices we've got our own thoughts and feelings and i think that's the exciting thing about jazz that that really attracted me to it that you're not sort of constrained by, you know, playing within a particular way. You know, if I do a pop session or I play in a R&B band or I play in a 1950s, you know, kind of swing thing or, or I play in a, you know, whatever it happens to be, you know, you, you're you're playing a role within that, you know. Um, and you've got set notes that you can play or there's a certain language that you can apply to that so that it will sound like you're actually playing with them as opposed to just doing your own thing and um within within jazz that 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 gives me that space to kind of peel away those layers and continually trying to get to the um you know the essence of 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 who I am as a musician and I think that's it's it, it's it's an eternal journey, you know, trying to get to that essence, you know, like, you know, John Coltrane or, you know, Herbie Hancock or, you know, Keith Jarrett or mm. Chicory, the real, the real, you know, great, great players out there that you, you get that feeling that they've, they've reached that point where they, they know exactly who they are musically and therefore they're able to, you know, from the very first note that they play, 
you know exactly who they are. You know, pianist, you know, McCoy Tyner, man, he, he plays one note with that with that left hand. And you know it's McCoy Tyner because of the way that he physiologically, just the intent of how he plays it. Very different to Chick Corea or Herbie Hancock. They all have their own personality in the same way that with the saxophone players, you know, Sonny sounds very different to, to, to Coltrane from the very moment they put the horn in their mouth. The intent is very different, you know. But they've kind of got to that point where they know who they are. Me, I still feel that um, the journey goes on. I'm still trying to get there. And that's what makes it so interesting to keep on going after all these years, to just keep on trying to trying to get there. You know, I've still got a lot of work to do before I'm happy that I, I'm fully, you know, I've got to where I want to be, really. Oh, man. Well, if you're the tour bus driver, we're all loving being on board because the journey's fantastic. <laughs> Don't stop. The um, so you you were talking about discovering new music during lockdown and you know sort of mm. presumably across your whole life. If you it's a it's my classic Chris question, but if you were to sort of have to be deserted or left with just three albums, um, what would mm. be on the Dennis Baptiste hit list? Well, uh, I think first would have to be. Uh, Okay, all right. So yeah, I've got, I've got to choose between <laughs> two on that one. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Way Out West, Sonny Rollins as one of the ones that because I just just the amount of time I spend listening to it and trying to marveling at his his invention on that. Um, I love Supreme for sure, um, just because of that, um, just the emotional impact that you know i mean it's 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 kind of weird because you sort of think to yourself maybe you know i shouldn't be just sort of all be saxophone players because it sounds a bit sort of shallow yeah, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. it's there's nothing shallow about it i mean i'd be very surprised if you didn't have a tenor player and fundamentally as far as i'm concerned a bit like you there are two so there, there we go mm. so this does give you though a third place dilemma and this isn't ranked but mm. what are you going to choose to compliment the great sonny rollins and john coltrane I am going to go for, just because I'm sort of going on the sort of frequency of listening and, and I'm trying to think back to um, music that I listen to a lot. And I would say Herbie Hancock, Maiden Voyage. Oh, that's a cracker. Yeah, I just, I mean, I just remember playing that and playing that. I mean, George Coleman's great on that, but... Just the whole project is just, uh, I, I, I used to just listen to, you know, I mean, Eye of the Hurricane, you know, just Maiden Voyage, you know, just the whole, it's just a beautiful album. So it's just perfectly proportioned and perfectly, it's just a great, great record, you know. Um, I'd love to do an album like that that sounds as as good as that one day, you know what I mean? It's, it's it's um yeah, yeah, those would be my three. I mean, I could, I could pick another... 10 you know but if, if i was going to choose off the top of my head those three i'm pretty sure the mailbox to the Watford jazz junction will be nothing but glowing because they're fantastic albums right well done so you're almost done dennis but i've got to introduce you to our house band so it used to be a septet went through a phase as an octet and has of course now become a nonet so Fundamentally, there is rank disregard for the bank balance of the Jazz Junction because I have to pay these guys night after night. Uh, but right now, up front, we have got Vi Red on, on uh, saxophone. We've got James Morrison on trombone. And we've got Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet. Uh, and in our back line, we've got Duke Ellington on the piano. We've got 
two double bass players with Jacko Pistorius and Christian McBride. We finally got Buddy Rich in on the drums. We've got Leanne Carroll's on vo- Leanne Carroll on vocals and backup keys. And fantastically, we've got Shirley Tete on guitar. So, Dennis, my gift to you. The gift from the listeners of The Jazz Junction is to let you change up to one of the players in the band. And it's not to get rid of them. It's to give them a break. So they're all sort of queuing up to say, please change me. I'm knackered. Who would you edit? Who would I edit? Substitute, um, whatever. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, yes, that's the sort of... Um, okay, I mean, look, I'm, and people are going to be upset about <laughs> this, but it's, it's, it's okay, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm going to substitute um, Buddy Rich. <gasps> No, yeah, I know, I know. It's just, I mean, look, he's one of the he's one of the greatest drummers of all time, no doubt. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I hear that, but instead, I'm going to put in the incredible Roy Haynes. Ooh, why? He's new because we've got a new player. He's, he's got a new player because the thing is, right, is that Roy. I, I met I met Roy. Haynes um, many years ago, not with 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 everybody with other with every other fan that was at the gig at that time, at the jazz cafe, he he finished his set with this incredible drum solo, which was just on the hi hat. Right, he just took the hi hat to the front of the stage and just did this. Thing. Finished the gig, killed it. Came and sat at the bar, and he was just talking about his life and talking about stuff that he'd done, the fact that he'd played with, you know, Billy from Billy Holiday when he was like 17, when he came over here and wasn't even allowed to play because he was too young to play. And so he'd come on this tour and then couldn't even actually, so we had to sit in the audience for this. But then he's one of those players that has gone through all of the generations from, you know, he's played with Coltrane, he's played, and even up to now, he's played with, you know, the, you know, Kenny Garretts and the, Kristen McBride, he's played with, I would say, as all of the drummers, he's played with everybody. That is the history of jazz from, you know, the 1940s right up to now. So for me, I'm giving it up to Mr. Roy Haynes. We will take it. And the Jazz Junction thanks you. As I'm sure does Buddy Rich, because he's like, going, God, leave me be. I retired. I'm done. Okay, awesome. Um, so listen, Dennis, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute blast and a privilege uh, to speak with you. Um, we can look forward to hearing you playing again soon, I hope. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's a, it's it's uh, the usual thing that a lot of people are doing is a lot of live streams and things like that. I've got a, um, I'm doing a concert um, for the Turner Sims for International Jazz Day. That's in Southampton. So we're going down to record cool. that um, next week. So that'll be online. Look out for that. And then we're in... Birmingham um, in June um, and yeah just just around I mean the, the, the stuff's sort of slowly coming together I'm, I've got yeah there's it's it's starting to look like the sun is coming out again so uh, I'm looking forward to getting back on the road nice well we believe and we're excited at the prospect so if you've liked what you've listened to today make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any valuable episodes if you want to know more about the Watford Jazz Junction check out our website at whatforjazzjunction.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook or wherever else I've managed to get us posted. Um, Email us as ever at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com but only if you're going to say nice things. And next time I'm in conversation with another saxophone colossus, Tim Garland.
And meanwhile, don't forget to keep your ears fresh and always connect with something new. So it's goodbye to you, lovely listener. And it's goodbye to you, Dennis. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. And it's goodbye from me. Take care.